Hour number three, Indiana Sports Talk on Network Indiana. Filling in for Bob Lovell, I'm Derek Schultz. Really appreciate you joining us. Kylan Talley is our producer tonight. Eddie Garrison is at the update desk, and he's got his last five-minute update coming at you right now. Thank you, Derek. It's been fun working with you and Kylan Talley tonight. What was a fantastic day here in downtown Indianapolis earlier this week. The Indiana Pacers announced the extension of Tyrese Halliburton. It's five years worth up to $260 million. Paul George has his own podcast. It's called Podcast P with Paul George. And Halliburton is this week's guest on his podcast. And he was asked by Paul George if it's hit him yet that he has signed his first big contract. You would think that it's like such this like overwhelming feeling that I don't even know how to act. You know what I mean? That I would just like start crying and it, but it's crazy. Like the perspective I have on it of like, it was like, it was like written, you know what I mean? Like I've known this is coming for a little bit now, Mm -hmm. probably last like six months. I knew that something like this would be happening. Mm -hmm. So like, I was just like, man, can we just like, let's just get it done so we can like get, get to hooping. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But it definitely, it, it hasn't hit me yet. And the funniest part about that teaser episode for the that they released with Paul George is what Tyrese Halliburton said that his dad's been texting him about. My dad is still texting me at random hours of the day and night like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> like, he texted me something crazy the other day like, your mom ain't never held a million dollars in her hand. Make that happen for her. I said, what? He want me to go to the bank, pull a million dollars, give it to yeah, my mom. Yeah, to open up everything he does had. Yeah, I'm like, what? Hey, I don't blame him, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, uh, it's definitely surreal. It, it, it definitely ain't hit me yet. No way. Always got to repay mom for what she's done for you to, work, to get to where you are like Tyrese Halliburton eventually will while we were talking about the indiana pacers tyrese halliburton was there in las vegas today for the pacers first summer league game they defeated the washington wizards 91 to 83 benedict matherin led all scores he had 27 points isaiah jackson had 21 points 14 rebounds and eight personal fouls he was that close to a triple double two more fouls and Got the triple-double in, I don't think, a conventional way. But with it being summer league, there are, of course, no foul outs. So Isaiah Jackson got to continue playing despite picking up eight personal fouls. Jarris Walker, in his Pacers debut, he struggled offensively. Played 30 minutes, though. He went 3 of 13, 1 of 5 from downtown. He had eight points, but he made his presence felt on the glass and defensively. He had 13 rebounds. He had three steals and three blocks. He also dished out five assists. So an all-around good game for Walker in his first uniform with the Indiana Pacers outside of the struggles shooting the basketball. Andrew Nimhard, he had 14 points. He was the only other Pacer in double figures. Looking at the other players, off the bench, Isaiah Wong, a second-round pick out of Miami. He played 17 minutes, scored six points. Kendall Brown, a second-round pick out of Baylor last year for the Pacers. He played 20 minutes, scored nine points on four or six shooting. And Oscar Sheboy, he's an undrafted free agent that the Pacers signed to a two-way contract out of Kentucky. He played eight minutes. He had five points. The leading scorer for the Washington Wizards, he was Johnny Davis. The Wisconsin product had 17. In Major League Baseball, the Detroit Tigers, for the ninth time in franchise history, they threw a no-hitter, and it was a combined no-hitter. Matt Manning got it started. He went six and two-thirds. He issued three walks. He hit two batters, and those were the only batters that reached base for Toronto. The other two pitchers that completed off the no-hitter, Jason Foley, he came in relief first. He pitched the final. He pitched the last out of the seventh inning. Then he pitched the eighth inning. And Alex Lang, he closed the game out in the bottom or the top of the ninth. That is, and picked up his 
13th save. The Tigers are now 39 and 49. The Toronto Blue Jays are 49 and 41. The St. Louis Cardinals defeat the Washington White uh, Washington the Chicago White Sox three to nothing today. Miles Michaelis he goes seven innings and his his ERA is now under five at 4.23. His record is back even at five and five. Jordan Hicks picked up his fifth save. And the Cleveland Guardians they win big over the Texas or the Kansas City Royals 10 to six. They'll go for the sweep tomorrow in four-game fashion. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back, Indiana Sports Talk. Network Indiana, thanks for making us a part of your Saturday night alongside Kylan Talley and Eddie Garrison. I am the lowly Derek Schultz filling in for Hall of Famer Bob Lovell. Our next guest, not lowly at all, he is the voice of the South Bend Cubs. No stranger to these airways, at least when we talk about the flagship here at Network Indiana, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You know him as BK, Brendan King. Uh, tough one tonight for the Cubbies as they fall 5-1. to one. But um, I know you're just crossing the days on that calendar when you get that much-deserved break. Uh, <laughs> mini break, I guess I should say. I- I'm assuming they give you a little bit of a breather, right, when the guys are off? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, good to talk with you, Derek, as always. The All-Star break is definitely a nice reset. And as you said, it might not seem like a lot on paper, but the fact that you get four days, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, of baseball, that is a long time. So uh, looking forward to catch up on some sleep and some laundry, and we'll be good to go for next week. How have the Cubs been uh, outside, obviously, of, of tonight's 5-1 setback? Yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a tough start to the second half. Schultz, for sure, 4-10 uh, and 10 in the first 14 games of the second. But the good news is that there have been some positive rebounds, especially with the no-hitter. That came on Thursday night here in downtown South Bend. Uh, massive, massive game. Michael Arias, Jared Wright, uh, Eduardo L. Nunez, and Frankie Scalzo Jr. with the four pitchers that combined for the no-no. And, you know, folks out there listening right now, Derek, uh, combined no-hitters, that is the norm in minor league baseball. You will never see, at least at low A or high A, a nine-inning no-hitter by one guy ever again. I mean, yeah. that's just not going to happen with the way that – development works but yeah combined no hitters that's the way it works in minor league ball they're still very rare um so that definitely brought a smile to a lot of folks faces over 4,500 people uh saw that here in south bend on thursday personal highlight for you though too right to get to be on the call or something like that absolutely i mean there have been three no hitters since i got here there was one in 18 there was one in 19 and then one this year so yeah i mean they are absolutely rare we didn't have one last year and you know it could bring a clubhouse together especially kind of funky we won two games that day because on wednesday we were called off due to lightning literally suspended a game in the bottom of the ninth inning picked it up at six o'clock on thursday restarted in the ninth we walk them off take a 45 minute break and then we know hit peoria so that was a really weird interesting day that brought uh, a lot of positives to that locker room. Uh, yeah, I'd love to know how many walk-offs and combined no-hitters have happened in the same day. I, I would assume that's pretty uh, that's pretty rare. Uh, speaking of rare, and I'm sure this info trickled in while you guys were actually on the air, even though obviously you weren't able to see it live, um, Ellie De La Cruz stole second, third, and home in the span of two pitches. I mean, man, it's unbelievable what he's doing. I, I feel like we're always kind of like living in the moment right on sports radio. Like, whoa, like this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. But I, I'm honest, BK, I, I, professional athlete speaking, like forget baseball. I have very rarely seen a pro athlete do something that incredible. No, man, that guy is a magician, Derek. And be it he was at this level at high A last year. He yeah. was playing for the Dayton Dragons around this time. 
and he is one of the top five players I've ever seen at, at any level, and he's special, man. The Red, Eddie Garrison should just be smiling ear to ear right now that his Reds have a player to the caliber of Ellie De La Cruz. That guy is a stud, and he's going to be for a long time. Last thing here, BK, uh, I'm still old enough to remember when, you know, the baseball all-star game, the Midsummer Classic, it, it was still kind of carrying some of the same relevance that that it had in the 80s and, and you know, kind of the heyday when, when before the NFL kind of became king of everything. Right. I, I still have faint memories of that. But for somebody in your generation and, and somebody that obviously loves baseball, does it still carry special meaning to you and, and to some of your peers and the people that you talk to about baseball? For me, it definitely does. That's because I have some great memories of it. And, I mean, when I was growing up, my the home run derby and all star game that stands out most was Milwaukee when Sammy was just crushing baseballs <laughs> and, and be it he was probably on some stuff but still I mean that guy was just barreling baseballs out of Miller Park and then that was the game that Tory Hunter robbed Barry Bonds on the home run and every year my friend group in like second and third, fourth grade, we would go to my same friend's house every year. His mom would make food. We watch it in his basement, have a sleepover. And then, uh, you know, you wake up and you watch the all-star game after the home run derby. So yeah, I mean, times are different working in the game, obviously. And it's unfortunate minor league baseball has gotten rid of their all-star games. We actually hosted the last Midwest league all-star game here in South Bend back in 2019. And there has not been one post pandemic. So I'd love to see them bring that back because, it means a lot to all players, Schultze, but it means the most to the guys that don't make the big leagues. If they make a minor league all-star game, that can be a memory that they can hold for their entire life after baseball. I think it would have been the next year, but at Fenway, I'm pretty sure Mark McGuire hit something, hit a ball to New Hampshire. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. it, it did happen a lot. <laughs> yes. BK, appreciate it, my man. Always great to hear from you, and enjoy a well-deserved break. Derek, you're the man. Talk to you soon. That's Brendan King. More baseball, more sports. It's Indiana Sports Talk, for God's sake. Network Indiana, don't go anywhere. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. Today in Major League Baseball, Ellie De La Cruz became the first Cincinnati Reds player to steal all three bases in the same inning since 1919. Additionally, in that game, the Cincinnati Reds set a franchise record for consecutive games with a home run at 22. But let's bring it back to Ellie De La Cruz, and let's hear from the Reds manager, David Bell, about the excitement that he brings this team. One of those plays that is so rare, I don't even know if it's ever happened, uh, especially on two pitches, the, the steal base like that. I think the, the speed is obvious, right? And um, just elite speed like like we have, you know, maybe have never seen, but also just how heads up it was. I mean, it was, you know, we, we actually saw the dugout, he rounded third on a stolen base. You don't ever really see that. So we knew something was about to happen. But uh, we weren't sure, and um, you know, just the heads up. The you know, it started with getting a big two-out hit. We should probably start with that. You know, that was a big difference maker in the game. And then from there, it was almost like he was on a mission to to score. With the 8-5 win, the Cincinnati Reds lead the Milwaukee Brewers in the NL Central once again by two games. The rubber match between the Reds and the Brewers is set for tomorrow afternoon. In minor league baseball, the South Bend Cubs lost to the Peoria Chiefs 5-1. The West Michigan Whitecaps defeated the Fort Wayne Tin Caps 3-1. And the Indianapolis Indians fall to the Memphis Redbirds 8-7. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison.
It's Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. I'm Derek Schultz. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate Kylan Talley and Eddie Garrison as well. I just realized the show's been flying by, by the way. It's already 11.15. We've got only 45 minutes left here in a handful of segments. We've never even really had the chance to kind of sit back, catch our breath, and run down some of the headlines for the show, which is usually what I try to lead each hour with. And We've had two other hours, and I haven't even done it once, so let's go ahead and do that here. Now, the good news is is that our friend Eddie Garrison takes care of a lot of that just with his updates, but I'll expand upon these headlines a little bit more than an update will. Um, Pacers winning, as you know, their summer league debut over the Wizards. An interesting game. They they jumped out to a big halftime lead and then had a, just a really rough third quarter. Came back, held on, and won. Uh, honestly, at the end of the day, who cares? Uh, who, who cares if you win or lose a summer league game? What's important is the individual performances, and we saw a lot of really promising ones. I think you can go ahead and take Benedict Matherin out of it. I mean, he's he's a guy that's playing down a level right now, maybe playing down multiple levels. Second-year player in Summer League, and and I think Alex Golden, who joined us earlier on the show today, put it well that there are a lot of other lottery picks from last year. Jaden Ivey is participating in Summer League for another year. Keegan Murray is participating in Summer League for another year. So uh, it's not like it's unheard of for a second-year player. It's important for Benedict Matherin to get run, right? So good. He's getting run out there, but he's better than all of these guys. So 27 points. I don't even bat an eyelash at that. That, That's just what he's going to do, I think, in all four or five of these games, however many that the Pacers end up playing. But it's some of these other performances like Jarris Walker tonight, struggling with the shot, but still filling the stat sheet. Uh, 13 rebounds, five assists, three blocks, a couple of steals. That's what you like to see from somebody that is not coming in to be an offensive player. You know, the Pacers have other guys whose role is offense. Jarris Walker's coming in to provide much-needed wing defense, something that they just they, they didn't have last year, to be flat out. They, they didn't really have somebody that could get out onto the wing and guard bigger players. And they have that now with Jarris Walker, who is still young at only 19, but is a guy that has an NBA body already. And is a, a really impressive physical specimen. I always feel creepy saying that. Now I'm 40 years old and I'm talking about somebody that's basically half my age. But, you know, you look at him and he he's big. He's strong. He, he looks like he's 25, 26, 27 years old already. And so to see some of this promise all... Uh, in, in the first game and, and really what he did at Houston, just kind of a, a continuation of that... Is, uh, is promising. It's the reason why the Pacers wanted to make him uh, their first selection and a top 10 NBA draft pick. So I expect a big role from Jarris Walker this season. Even if he's not the starter from the get-go, I-, I would expect him to eventually get there. And that's not just a, a high expectation of Jarris Walker. It's it's also just the fact that the Pacers have room at the end for him because they don't have a lot of bodies at the four. Obi Toppin... You know, gun to my head right now is probably your day one starter, um, but they don't really have much else there. And and let's not make Obi Toppin into something that he's not. He's been a 15-minute per game. He's been a bit NBA player his entire career. Now, some of that is scheme. Some of that is Tom Thibodeau just deciding to play his veterans, and some of it is Julius Randle. Why Obi Toppin couldn't see the floor. So the Pacers are going to take a look and see if there's something there, but I'm not expecting Obi Toppin to be like a big front-line player for them. I'm certainly not expecting him to be prime Blake Griffin like a uh, buddy Knicks fan of mine from back home 
thinks. Uh, he'd always complain about Tibbs not playing Obi Toppin. We haven't mentioned this at all tonight, but tomorrow is the MLB draft, and an Indiana representative from right here in the Hoosier State probably isn't going to be number one. Not shut off. There is a chance that Max Clark could go number one, but he's going to be one of the first names called, that's for sure. One of the best players in the country is Franklin's Max Clark, and he will hear his name called tomorrow night in day one of the Major League Baseball draft. College baseball, to me, has gotten more of a bump here recently. I find it to be wildly entertaining. College softball, too. I would be lying to you if I said that these guys have the same kind of frontline name recognition that the best players in college football and, and college baseball do, or in college basketball do. That said, a lot of them, like Max Clark, are out of high school. Like, who am I? Am I supposed to know like a great high school player in De La Salle High School in California? How would you know that, right? So it's a little bit different. The Major League Baseball draft is never going to have the relevance that the NBA draft and the and the NFL draft have because we've watched all of these guys. A lot of these guys in the Major League Baseball draft we have not watched. But here in, in Indiana, particularly in central Indiana, Franklin just a straight shot down the road. Heck, Bob Lovell, the usual host of the show, calls Franklin, Indiana home, a great community down there. They've got a, a once-in-a-generation type talent in Max Clark. Special, special, special player. IndyStar actually ran an article this week on Indiana first-round Major League draft picks, and it has not been a great track record. But, and I'll put the caveat here, a lot of those guys were taken later, like pick 15, 18, 22, 25. That's different here with Max Clark, who's going to go somewhere in the top 10, and he may be the highest taken, selected, I guess I should say, selected player in the Major League Baseball draft from the state of Indiana in 50 years. So uh, that's really saying something to his talent and the the type of player that he potentially projects as being. Something else on the headlines here that the NBA announced today that uh, I was thinking we might touch on. Maybe we'll do that in the next segment a little bit more expanded. But they're going to do this in-season tournament, and I- I'm trying – I'm really, really trying not to be like snarky and be a jerk about it. Um, Full disclosure, I am a regular season condensed guy. I don't think we should play 162 baseball games. I certainly don't think we should play 82 basketball games. I don't think the NHL hockey season should start in October and end in June. I think it's just ridiculous. I, I All of these seasons are way too long. We play way too many games. But we all know that the owners aren't going to give up the gate or the TV rights or, or a single dime that could go into their pockets with any of these. So the seasons aren't going anywhere, at least probably not in my lifetime. Maybe in Kylan's lifetime, maybe in Eddie's, not, not mine. If you are hell-bent on having 82 games and you want to pitch me the I'm all for ideas. I'm all for new and fresh and, yeah, give it to me. Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. That's kind of like my motto in life. Let's just kind of see how this goes. Okay, cool. You've talked me into it. 
So November through December, this in-season tournament, I'm not even going to get into the weeds of explaining it to you. All 30 teams participate, and the usual regular season games now become tournament games, and then you have wild cards, and then you have something called the NBA Cup that you play for, and it's this trophy, and it's in... Adam Silver like went to a Premier League game one time or something, and he's like been hell bent on this idea ever since. That like European soccer or international soccer, the NBA should have an in-season tournament. So fine, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. But if you're asking me what I think the result of this is going to be, I know how snarky people get on the internet, especially sports fans. This is going to be completely derided. Like, if the Minnesota Timberwolves win the NBA Cup in January and then they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs as the eight seed, people are going to just destroy that. <laughs> they're going to make fun of it no matter. They're going to be posting Anthony Edwards holding up whatever the NBA Cup is in January, being like, what are you talking about? They're champions. What are we doing here? Uh, they'll turn it into a joke. So. I get why there's an incentive here for the players. There's a half a mil on the line for each of them. Okay. What's the incentive for me as a fan? You know, why do I care? Because you say it matters? Because they've got a little funky trophy at the end of it? Eh. I don't know. Maybe it's the old age. Maybe I'm just getting more of a curmudgeon. We'll talk more NBA. Plenty more to get to here. Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. Don't go anywhere. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. Second to final update of the night, so let's recap all the scores from today and then preview tomorrow's schedule in the final update 15 minutes from now. The Indiana Pacers picked up a win in their first summer league game over the Washington Wizards, 91-83. Benedict Matherin had 27 points. Isaiah Jackson had 21 points and 14 rebounds. Jairus Walker struggled offensively, going 3 of 13, totaling 8 points. The Pacers' next play, Monday night. The Detroit Tigers throw a combined no-hitter. It's the ninth time in franchise history that they have thrown a no-hitter in their 2-0 win over the Toronto Blue Jays. They'll wrap up the series tomorrow afternoon. The New York Yankees top the Chicago Cubs 6-3. The rubber match will be tomorrow afternoon between these two teams in the final game before the All-Star break. The St. Louis Cardinals gain vengeance on the Chicago White Sox. They defeat the White Sox 3-0 after collapsing yesterday in their 8-7 loss. The Cincinnati Reds Use Ellie De La Cruz's superstar potential to defeat the Milwaukee Brewers 8-5. He stole second, third, and home and the top of the seventh inning after driving in the go-ahead run. Reds win 8-5, and they're back to 10 games over 500. The Cleveland Guardians defeat the Kansas City Royals 10-6. And in minor league baseball, Indianapolis Indians fall to the Memphis Redbirds 8-7. The South Bend Cubs fall to the Peoria Chiefs 5-1. And the Fort Wayne Tin Cats fall to the West Michigan Whitecaps. Three to one for Network Indiana Sports. I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back, Indiana Sports Talk Network Indiana. Filling in for Bob Lovell. I'm Derek Schultz. Only a couple of weeks left of no coach because let's see, today's the eighth. So yesterday was the seventh, fourteenth, twenty-first, twenty-eighth, fifth. What is it? August twelfth? Is that when we're kicking off the high school football season? So we're talking six weeks here. I've seen a North South All Stars game's got to be like next week, right? That's always kind of like the the 
the indicator. It's like when you're at the bar and it's closing and they turn the lights on to kind of be like, hey, get out. You don't have to get out right now, but you've got to get out here pretty soon. The IFCA North-South All-Star Game, maybe I shouldn't make that analogy talking about high school kids that aren't legally able to drink yet, but um, that's it's 1130, whatever. I'm, I'm going to go with it. Um, that's what that game is for me. It's It's like the reminder, okay, they're turning the lights on. All right. Pretty soon, summer's over here. They're going to kick us all out, and it's going to be high school football and get rocking and rolling on this show. But, of course, uh, Bob Lovell returns to this program in August, and um, we'll host it again for, God, I don't even know what it is now for Bob. I know they just did, I think it was year 30, right? So 30, 32, 33. I should ask Bob what that is, actually, for him. It's been an, an incredible run for him here on, on Network Indiana and, and Indiana Sports Talk, and I'm really happy that they still asked me to occasionally come in here and, and fill in and get back on the radio again, which is also really fun for me in this great state of Indiana. We were running down the headlines um, earlier, just kind of two more to get to uh, the Indianapolis Indians. We heard from Howard Kelman earlier in the show today. Uh, lose a tough one to Memphis. They gave up three runs in the ninth and end up losing that game 8-7. to seven. So uh, a tough loss for the Tribe as they fall to 40-45. and 45. On the season, they'd been playing pretty good baseball. They had won 11 of 16, and it started kind of climbing back to 500 after the middle of June on a, on a long losing skid. Um, had a rough homestand mixed in there, but um, not in the cards for them tonight against the Memphis Redbirds at home. They'll conclude their series with them tomorrow at Victory Field, and then there will be the Major League Baseball, of course, uh, All-Star break coming up here with the Home Run Derby Monday night and then the All-Star Game on Tuesday. This is kind of embarrassing to say. I don't even know where the All-Star Game is this year. Should probably look that up. Um, You know, when I was 10 years old, my whole world revolved around where and when the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is. Brendan King, who just joined us, talked about having a sleepover with his buddies and they'd watch like the Home Run Derby. Then the next night they watched the All-Star Game. That's what we did, too. We did that for NBA All-Star Weekend, too, my buddy Stolman and I. Uh, this is pre-internet. Kylan's looking at me like, oh, my God, how old is this dude? Um, like 1990, <laughs> you know, 93, 94, like around there. And so it, barely pre-internet, but, you know, in my defense, barely pre-internet. But we were 10, 11 years old. And so this would have been like the peak of the Jordan era, right, where, uh, you know, they're coming off the three-peat or they're right in the middle of the three-peat, and we'd watch the slam dunk contest and the three-point shootout, which was Saturday, and then the All-Star game was always Sunday. And I remember it was a big deal for my parents to let me stay at somebody else's house that long, or, you know, we, we would rotate whose house it was, and we lived walking distance from each other. And um, it was like a big deal on Sunday night to be like, oh, my God, like it's you know, 7.30 on a Sunday night and somebody's still at your house, like, that was a, a big deal because, ooh, it's a school night. Um, that's kind of the nostalgia and those memories are the reasons that we we love sports when you think about how big of a deal they were to you as a kid. And, you know, in, in my opinion, um, different strokes for different folks here, sports should never be more important to you as a 40-year-old man than as a 10-year-old kid. Because, you know, I'm 40 now and I have uh, I have my wife and my kid and I have, you know, a job. <laughs> I have all these other things that are in my life. When you're 10, 
you know, the, the, the only thing that I had in my life at 10, 11, 12 years old was we, Ken Griffey Jr. in front of the warehouse at Camden Yards. Like, that was my life. You know, Dominique Wilkins in the slam dunk contest. Like, that was my life when I was that age. Those were the things that, you know, Matt Stolman and his house and playing Sega Genesis. Like, that was my life. Those were the things that were most important to me then. And so, all-star games especially Major League Baseball and the NBA, it always kind of elicits those feelings for me. But like I said, as a 40-year-old, I'm like, oh, yeah, MLB All-Star Game Tuesday. Cool. Where is it again? And that's kind of where we are. Indiana Fever return home tomorrow, looking to snap a six-game skid against Dallas. Uh, Four o'clock tip. Tickets available, feverbasketball.com. Look, this season... It's really not about win total for the Fever. They're already ahead of where I thought they would be. This was the worst team in the league the last five or six years. Worst team in the league. And I think they'll get back to being on the winning side of things again like they were for the most part through their first dozen or so games, even though they've hit the skids here lately. But Aaliyah Boston has been a revelation. She's going to be, speaking of all-star games, she's going to be an all-star starter, only the eighth rookie to do that in WNBA history. History. And you're talking like uh, a a real who's who of players that have been all-star starters in season one. Brianna Stewart. um, Della Don. I think... Did they put Lisa Leslie on? I I just looked at that list, and I'm trying to remember all of them. You know, because she was a veteran player and already with Team USA when the league started. Maybe they didn't count her on that list, but it was a who's who. So Aaliyah Boston being on that list says a lot about where she is already as a professional player. But the Fever are taking steps forward, and and they're going to continue to do that. And they're going to be six-game losing skids, and they're going to be rough patches along the way. It's about being patient with where they are. You know, we're in sort of a similar spot. I I think the Pacers are probably a year or two ahead of the fever of where they are, but we're sort of in a similar spot with both professional basketball teams in Indianapolis or in the state of Indiana right now in the sense that it's not really about the the journey, right? Or I guess it's not about the destination this year. I'm trying to get this analogy right after I screwed up the bar closing one with high school kids. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey right now. You know, they'll get there. You know, we're not talking NBA title, WNBA title, anything like that. This is the first year that I think even playoffs are going to come into the conversation for the Pacers coming up here, just making the playoffs. But it's about the journey, getting there, individual improvement. Who stays, who goes, who sticks, who works, who gels. Who is going to be part of this going forward? When the Pacers and Fever are ready to contend, who that's on the roster right now is going to be part of those teams and contributors on those teams. And and that's kind of what I think both teams are figuring out as we speak. The good news is, is that if the Pacers are even a fraction as fun, you know, the, the summer league is meant to be fun. It's basically open gym. But if the Pacers this year in 23-24 are even a fraction as fun as they look tonight, especially some of these individual players, then that's very, very good news if you're planning to buy tickets to watch them play this year. You know, Again, kind of bringing this conversation full circle when I'm talking about me as a 40-year-old sports fan versus a 10-year-old sports fan, 
when I was 10, 11, 12, it was all about championships. Like, okay, uh, you know, can the Knicks break through this year? Are the Yankees going to do it? Like, those are the teams that I grew up with watching. And now, for me, it's, yeah, of course, would, would I love to see a Pacers or Colts? Oh, of course I would. So would everybody, right? But now it's about, is this worth my time? Can you entertain me for three hours <laughs> or, or 90 minutes or whatever it is? I, I just want to have fun. You know, I, I want the 2023 Cincinnati Reds. I want the Pacers to be that. I want the Colts to be that. I want IU basketball, Purdue basketball, Butler. I, I want those teams to be that. That's what I want. I just want to tune in and have fun. Escape for a little while. And uh, and I think the Pacers are going to be fun. I think they're going to win a little bit along the way. Because individually speaking, there, there's a lot of talent there. there. There's a lot of talent that still needs to be grown and developed. And some of it is not going to grow and develop into what you want it to be. That's never the way that it actually works. But I'm still bullish and optimistic that more often than not, it's going to happen the right way for the Pacers and turn into results for them. Network Indiana, we got two more segments to go here. Indiana Sports Talk. Stick around. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates, I'm Eddie Garrison. Let's take a look at tomorrow's schedule in Major League Baseball with this being the last scoreboard update of the weekend. The Chicago Cubs and the New York Yankees conclude their three-game series from New York, and it's the rubber match with Kyle Hendricks towing the rubber for Chicago and Domingo Human, who threw a perfect game two starts ago, getting the start for New York. First pitch at 135. Five minutes after that, the Kansas City Royals and the Cleveland Guardians wrap up their series from Cleveland. Ryan Yarbrough will get the start for the Kansas City Royals, and the veteran and the ace of the Cleveland Guardians pitching staff and Shane Bieber will get the starting nod for the Guardians, who are looking to sweep the Royals in four-game fashion. The Toronto Blue Jays and the Detroit Tigers conclude their three-game series from Detroit tomorrow. Tarek Skubal will get the starting nod for Detroit and Chris Bassett will deliver the first pitch on the Toronto side of things. First pitch at 140. At 210, it's the rubber match between the top two teams in the National League Central, the Cincinnati Reds and the Milwaukee Brewers. Ben Lively makes a return to the Reds starting rotation. He'll be activated off the injured list for his start tomorrow. And the former Cincinnati Red, Wade Miley, will start for the Milwaukee Brewers. Once again, first pitch at 210. And also at 210, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago White Sox wrap up their three-game set. Each team has won a game thus far. Steven Matz will start for the visiting Cardinals, and Lucas Giolito will deliver the first pitch for Chicago at 210. And finally, the MLB draft starts tomorrow night as well. Where will Max Clark end up? Watch tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Last update for Eddie Garrison, and Godspeed to him as he is waking up at 4 a.m. to drive to Pensacola. Longest drive I ever did by myself. I did spring break. I'm, I'm an IU graduate, and um, I don't know why that's relevant to the discussion. I guess we're on Network Indiana, so I can mention IU. Um, spring break, my it, it was either – I took a victory lap year, so the, the guys that were under me the, – the guys that I lived with were all under me by a year. So I graduated, and then we still had the lease on the house – and I wasn't really ready to leave Bloomington yet because Bloomington, when you're 22, is amazing. And I stuck around. So it was either that year that I went on old guys spring break with them or the year before. I don't really remember. But we were in Fort Lauderdale. I do remember that. And I had a an old Honda Civic that I had driven down actually myself. They had caravan down, and I was doing an, an internship 
with um, actually with WIBC. And uh, I was in working with the sports department and I had to stick around um, during spring break because the NBA season was still going on. And part of my duties were to um, go to the uh, Pacers locker room and get locker room sound. It was Reggie Miller's last year. So it would have been 05. So I, I would have been a senior. And um, the Pacers were about to go on the road. That was a really interesting year, by the way, to be in the Pacers locker room as an intern, 0405. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys remember something that happened one night in Detroit late November that year. But anyway, I, I won't jump into that story. We're in Fort Lauderdale after the Pacers go on a road trip. So, that you know, Kevin Lee actually was my um, intern coordinator, and he cut me loose. And he said, yeah, d- you know, just go. So I, I drove all the way down from Bloomington to Fort Lauderdale. All right, no big deal. My parents are in Trumbull, Connecticut, which is where I grew up. And I was going back to see high school friends that were also on spring break from UConn, but they're lame and they decided not to go to Florida or anything like that. So they're sticking around in Connecticut. So I'm like, okay, I'll take part of my spring break in Fort Lauderdale. I'll stay there for like two or three nights and then I'll drive from Fort Lauderdale to Connecticut. What's the big deal? I can make it. It's whatever it is. 15 hours, I think is what it is. But it's it's literally a straight shot. You take I-95 the entire way. And... I, I did it by myself. Um, I, I get like 10 hours in, which is about the human extent of what you should do in one day, even as a 22-year-old. And I remember specifically, I, I actually, I would have been more than 10 hours in. I was on the New Jersey Turnpike, so I would have been more like 12 hours in. And I'm like slapping myself in the face. It was right when energy drinks started be- coming out. So I stopped at a gas station and grabbed like three energy drinks and I'm chugging them, driving from Fort Lauderdale um, by myself. And long story short, I guess it's already a long story. Uh, I did end up making it, but it was not safe for me to be on the road the final two hours of that trip because I I just felt the entire time that, oh my God, I'm going to fall asleep and I'm going to just hit a guardrail. And thank God I didn't. So Eddie, I know, is smarter than me and younger than me and probably has more energy drinks than I did in the car or coffee or whatever else. And Pensacola is a little bit of a shorter drive. So Godspeed to Eddie Garrison. I hope that he makes it. Um, For you guys at home, don't ever do what I did. Don't ever get in your car and drive up I-95 to go from Fort Lauderdale to Connecticut. I got stopped in South Carolina, by the way, and um, I was doing – uh, 62 in a 60 and I got pulled over because I had Connecticut plates and they had problems with people running drugs up I-95 so I had to get out of the car the car was searched I got searched by a state trooper who was convinced that I was a drug runner because why else would somebody with Connecticut plates in a Honda Civic be driving on I-95 at 10 in the morning on a random Wednesday in the middle of March so that's another part of the story. Sorry, I I think I lost my way there. We're supposed to talk sports, right? It's Indiana Sports Talk. We'll come back and wrap things up next with actual sports stuff, I promise, guys. Back for a final time on Network Indiana. It's Indiana Sports Talk. Thank you to Kylan Talley and Eddie Garrison. So we have some clarity on, historically speaking, Ellie De La Cruz, if you're just joining us, stole second, third, and home in the same at bat, uh, he is one of 
Let me make sure that I have this right here. He's the first Red to do it in the same inning since 1919. He's the first Major League Baseball player to do it in the same inning since Rod Carew in 1969. And it is only the 54 times has it happened in the same game where someone has stolen second, third, and home. Uh, It's only happened 27 times ever uh, in the same inning. And, you know, the quirky thing about baseball is that some of these records are from, like, you know, well, in 1895, the green long stockings in, you know, Muncie, Indiana, this happened to Eddie Tutal Smith. You know, the names and the teams, they all kind of sound made up. What's important is that he did it in the span of two pitches that he was able to accomplish this. I mean, they're recovering from him stealing third while he's halfway towards home. He's already in the process of stealing home. That's what makes it incredible. So we can spit out numbers and and all this other stuff and be like, you know, because I I got a response on here from Tyrone, who I, and I like Tyrone on Twitter. Um, Yeah, this, you know, this is pretty cool, but it's happened 20 times. So it's still incredible. You know how many perfect games there have been? 24. Perfect game, not incredible? That's kind of the problem with the internet is that there, there's always somebody that is like, oh, this isn't that great. Who cares? So what? What's the big deal? Did they win the championship? No, it's still amazing. I mean, every time this guy steps on the field, he does something incredible. And that's what not only do the Reds need that, baseball needs that. You know, baseball is, we've only got two minutes left in the show, so I I don't even have time to get into all of this. Baseball does such a bad job promoting their stars. Like, every other sport gets this right. NFL gets it right. The NBA absolutely gets it right. Major League Baseball just does a really bad job. Mike Trout could walk around the circle right now, all day tomorrow. Mike Trout could be walking around the circle, and he I would doubt he'd even get stopped. Shohei Otani, same thing. Maybe a better chance, possibly, of him getting stopped. But if you stopped 100 people on the circle tomorrow and been like, hey, what, what team does Shohei Otani play for? You know, how many people would know that? Everybody knows who Steph Curry plays for. Everybody knows who Patrick Mahomes plays for. So hopefully someday everybody will know who Ellie De La Cruz plays for. And if he's walking around the circle, he'll get stopped. Great job, Kylan Talley. Great job, Eddie Garrison. Thanks to you guys as well for listening. My name's Derek Schultz. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Indiana Sports Talk, Network Indiana.